0: that a month is not 28 days. This means we're in the third month of quarantine. Welcome to the Smug Buds. I'm here with my beloved podwife, Will. Hi, Will. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Liz. I'm good. How are you doing? So bad. <laughs> Yikes.
0: We didn't lead. I didn't lead with this on the call. No. When we started talking. I this is the first day. I'm hearing. I woke up. I think you saw the nightmare I had.
1: Yes, I did. You you shared that.
0: I, I know we've talked about how I'm not going to talk too much about dreams on this podcast, but I did have a nightmare that I had gone out of my way to pick Will a novelty snow globe and when I showed it to Dana, producer Dana, she said, this is dumb. Why do you think Will would like this? Because uh, I think it's dumb. And then I cried in my dream a lot. And I yeah. woke up feeling very bad. And then I proceeded to cry and uh, Pretty much all morning, uh, on and off. At one point, Elliot came out and saw that I was crying and said, oh, you have little tears. I'll get you a towel. Is it because you burned your arm? And I said, (laughs) because I burned my arm on a pan like two weeks ago and it's like starting to heal. Mm -hmm. I said, no, it's not because I burned my arm, Elliot. It's just like a hard day. He was like, oh, well, I give you a hug and a kiss. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, thanks, kid. Um. Sometimes
1: and, dreams are bad.
0: Yeah. Um, we didn't record last week. That's right. Because it just felt like... I felt like I needed a week off, which I had said to you when we were going to do this sort of like not backlog recording that my only caveat was that I might need a week off.
1: We knew it was a possibility. And we went more than half the season without taking a break.
0: But yeah, I... um it would just seemed like not the time with the um revolution that's happening
1: <laughs> we did we did a blackout week as as many content uh creators and publishers did
0: yeah um and i'm just feeling really fucked up about bon appetit
1: yeah i saw something about that i wasn't sure if you were aware of it we haven't talked about it but wasn't sure if i
2: was aware of it
1: i figured probably but i i saw someone else i follow on twitter retweeted a reply that someone posted to bon appetit i don't know the context it said something about so and so needs to be fired immediately yeah and mm, i there was something else but i don't maybe something about Uh, underrepresentation of black voices or something. Yeah.
0: It's like, it's actually, there's so much shit I can't go into all of it. The sort of very brief timeline is a woman had tweeted, and I didn't even realize that this was what happened first until like a day and a half later. A woman had tweeted about how she had had her story about um, Puerto Rican food, and she's Puerto Rican, rejected, and then um, Adam Rappaport, who's, who was the editor in chief, had reached out to her and said, Oh, could you talk about this? And she was like, You know, it's just pretty fucked up that I write the story about Puerto Rican food and you reject it because it's too trendy and like too niche. And then Molly Baz, who's a white woman, gets a Puerto Rican dish recipe published in the very next ep- episode issue of Bon Appetit. So that she tweets these like, direct messages she had with Rappo, and then somebody is like why doesn't adam Rappaport just make the puerto rican food and attached to this tweet was an image of adam Rappaport and his wife um that had been posted on instagram in 2013 but was apparently from 2003 or something like that um where he was in brown face uh-huh. he was dressed as a puerto rican person Though he did go out of his way to point out he wasn't actually wearing any makeup. <laughs>
1: uh, how does that work?
0: He had shaved his facial hair and was wearing clothing in such a way that it was his, and it was Halloween,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and she had labeled it, uh, with my poppy, mm-hmm. and then like hashtag bro Rican.
1: Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that. He was in brown face without any actual uh changing the color of his skin.
0: Yeah, he was in brown face because he was his costume, because it was yes. Halloween, was right. being a Puerto Rican person.
2: Right, right.
0: Um but then from that, Sola, who is one of the um who's the um she cross tests the recipes, I think I mentioned her. Mm-hmm. She, um, posted about how when Adam Rappaport had called to, a, like, had a Zoom meeting to apologize to the staff for this photo, she was like, you need to resign. they And then said that, like, the racial disparities in Bon Appetit are systemic, and she gets paid $50,000, even though she has significantly more experience than a lot of her colleagues, and that the white colleagues who have shows get paid, um... ...have contracts that pay them above and beyond their salaries... ...and she's never been paid separately for her video appearances... ...and none of the people of color have been paid separately for their video appearances. And then it's just like from that it's been like layer after layer after layer after layer. Um, and I guess the reason I'm feeling fucked up about it is... ...there's two reasons. <laughs> the first reason is that they have videos come out um, every day Monday through Friday... Clearly they haven't been, um, but I uh, rely on, the, rely on those videos pretty heavily as a way to um, not have meltdowns at night. And so like on a personal level, like I have like certain like things that I have been using for comfort and that, that like, so like a lot of the podcasts I listened to stopped putting out episodes this week and then with them not putting out stuff, I was like, just, like, kind of out of things to, like, do. Like, I had a routine that was keeping me stable, and it was, like, destabilized. Uh-huh. But I'm not important, as we all know. And so the other thing that just has fucked me up about it is, like, I think that they... I think that I trusted them, and I never should have, and I feel very stupid about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lesson that we all have to learn over and over again, right? in the In the culture that we have come to embrace in the past several years, a culture of uh, a lot of monitoring, a lot of uh, widely sharing information that used to be private. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of uh, speaking, you know, the underspoken, you know, secrets and, and truths of uh, industries and workplaces and relationships that the, the, the lesson uh, at the end of the day is uh, in in uh, uh, 100% of cases, uh, we must not stan uh, anyone or anything. Yeah. Uh, because. It's like,
0: it's like not even like don't meet your heroes. It's like don't have heroes. Try right. Try not yeah. to like things too much.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then J.K. Rowling's a bitch. That is such old news, though.
0: <laughs> no, it's not that. That's. I'm not surprised by this. That's not why I'm su- I'm upset. We've known. I mean, we've talked on this podcast about how she's a turf. I love to be- dunk on her. It's I'm upset because she's being so fucking harmful to the to to the to the queer community right now. And it's fucking Pride Month. There's a fucking revolution happening. We're having a pandemic, and J.K. Rowling pens a 3,600 word essay that is so cruel and so vitrolic. vitriolic. I don't know if I never know if I say that word right.
1: Vitriolic. Thank you. Probably.
0: And is like really upsetting a lot of people I care about. Where it's yeah. like, she could have been Turfy and just shut the fuck up, you know?
2: Mm
1: hmm.
0: That's it. Daniel Radcliffe's a hero.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I mean, he's f- no Elijah Wood. He's no Elijah Wood, but some people do think that they are the same.
1: Yes, BoJack Horseman for one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So that's how I'm doing. Do you have any other questions or updates you want to do, my love?
1: Um, I can just tell you uh, how I'm uh, doing with a couple (laughs) of uh, things that happened today uh, that gave me some uh, uh, positive feelings. The past couple of weeks have had their uh share of ups and downs and Mm -hmm. and uh it's um uh difficult uh sometimes uh to uh keep going as normal and uh work uh has been uh kind of demanding uh more of my time uh than than it was uh Mm -hmm. before which is not not great timing yeah uh, but what are you gonna do but uh two things today uh gave me uh got my hopes up in a, in a way that hopefully just on a selfish level just for me personally you know got my hopes up hopefully uh it won't be i won't be you know just set up for disappointment mm-hmm. the first is that i bought uh, over one thousand video games for five dollars.
0: Oh, I think I saw Kate Leth tweet about this. Mm-hmm. Tell me more.
1: Um, so have you heard of? And I don't know how this is pronounced, but uh-huh. itch.io. Oh yeah. Uh uh-huh. Or itchio or itchio. I don't know which one. Yeah. Um, but they uh, it, it's a it's an it's like an open indie uh, online. Uh, market for for video games Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they sell um, video games in bundles sometimes it's like a special deal you know get get these games for this one price so they reached out I guess to a bunch of video game publishers and creators saying like we want to make they call it the bundle for racial justice and equality and it's you know for for charity um and uh, like they got an insane number of responses. And That's so awesome. For your donation, uh, minimum of only five dollars, you get a bundle that c- contains over a thousand games, and it's like still growing. That's um, awesome with people's responses. So, um, I did that, and I w- and so now I have access to way more games than I will ever play in my lifetime.
0: <laughs> you never have to buy a video game again.
1: I I yeah, I mean I will. I'll buy lots of them, but <laughs> technically that's true.
2: I'll buy lots of them.
1: And then the other thing that happened was I got an email from my beloved uh Loft Cinema here in oh, Tucson. Yes. And here's what they here's a recap of what they've been doing. Since they shut down normal operations around March 10th. Mm-hmm. Um one, they uh Made some deals with some uh, movie uh, like distributors and studios, Mm -hmm. so that you can uh, order streaming movies through the Loft. Yes. Um, The second thing they did was they offered a service called Loft Staff Selections, where you fill out a survey, pay them ten dollars, and they will recommend three movies to you.
2: right which, yeah. which you
1: can watch at home because they're on streaming platforms uh-huh cool yeah the third thing they did which i haven't taken advantage of is they now sell uh, roadside concessions on oh, fridays that's and so saturdays sweet. that's you so can, cute if you pre-order them they will sell you uh, popcorn chocolate uh, beer etc mm-hmm. uh and then today this Uh, An email with the subject line, private theater rentals.
2: See your favorite
1: film on the big screen. (laughs) Oh my God. And without getting into the specific numbers, because I am, I think it would be, would be gauche if I'm, if I'm to share, if I'm actually taking advantage of this as I plan to, but it is surprisingly affordable. Ooh, to rent one of their theaters uh, for a group of up to only 10 people. Of course. And uh, they the email says, you can choose almost any film you'd like to see. <laughs> so I shared this with Dana,-,
2: uh-huh.
1: who has a birthday coming up in about a month. Oh yeah and I and I said, this seems, this seems like it's right up my alley, but yeah. it's your birthday. Are you interested in this? And she was uh, very excited about the prospect of that. <laughs> so that started a conversation about what movie it would be.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I said, if I were doing it for myself and it were just me, the first question I would ask myself is, is there something that The Loft could give me access to that I can't gain access to on my own? Yeah. So the example that I thought of is uh, when we did, when I did my episode of this podcast about Edgar Wright. Yeah. You may you may recall that I mentioned that he has a first feature film that yeah, is that not widely available. Yeah, that we didn't discuss we didn't have access but, to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if it were just for me, I'd be like, hey, The Loft, can you show me Edgar Wright's Fistful of Fingers? Like, can yeah. you get access to that? Um, and uh, we talked about, you know, favorite movies and, you know, things that would be, you know, worth the the, the money that, that I, yeah. I will spend on it because it's a gift. And uh, here's, here's what we landed on. This is the mess. So <laughs> I went to uh, fill out the form. That Mm -hmm. they have on their website for booking a private theater rental. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised by how little they were asking for. Yeah. Uh, And um, they didn't ask uh, specifically, like, what movie do you want? Or, like, list three movies. Instead, the question is, um, describe your proposed event. Uh Which I think is, I think that they just copied and pasted their form for theater rentals back under normal circumstances when when people would host events to to the public or to their to their very large group Uh so so here's what i wrote i wrote a private birthday party (laughs) if possible we would like to watch the original all caps original star wars yes By that, I mean no updates or special edition of the film, <laughs> e.g., no added Jabba the Hut scene, no McClunky, no CGI do-backs, etc. Just the original cut that audiences saw in 1977. In is that theaters. possible? <laughs> if that is not possible, plan B is we would like to watch Spirited Away, please. Thank you.
0: I hope that the person that reads that email is just like, this is my people.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I, I, I hope it's, I wrote it thinking like, well, maybe this might be a little obnoxious, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. I hope that whoever reads it appreciates it and doesn't roll their eyes about it. I
0: also think that it's not, I think it would be less obnoxious if you didn't give an alternative. Right. But Spirited yeah. Away is widely available. Like there's yeah. no way they're not going to be able to play you Spirited Away. Absolutely. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, I'm so excited for you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, so we uh, are supposed to hear back from them within a week. So hopefully by the time we record again, I will have an update about that.
0: Can I tell you one more? I have two more updates, and they're both mm-hmm. sad.
1: <laughs> Great.
0: So we got a butterfly kit for Elliot, and... Um, He was very cute. So we got the cat. First off, the caterpillars go from being very small to very large very quickly. I was very like, "Oh!" they turned into what Elliot called raccoons. And uh, then they hatched today. But one of them I do not think is going to make it. He was folded over on one of his wings on his back. Mm. So instead of being like sort of legs on the ground, he was on his back with one of like the left wing like folded underneath his body, which is not good. Yeah. I kind of blew on him a little bit to see if he was alive, and he was. Sure. Um, and Elliot is no uh, stranger to death. Yes. But I uh, could, uh, was not uh, in the mood for that mm-hmm. today. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is, I have started doing this thing where I look up plane tickets to Tucson in October.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And they're so cheap, Will. <laughs> yeah I could get if i if I fly into Phoenix, I can get a direct flight, which I always prefer mm hmm because it means I'd get to spend more time with all of you yes is the real the real thing yeah I could get two direct flights to Phoenix for four hundred dollars
2: mm-hmm.
0: it was that's like half as much as it was yeah I'm devastated. <laughs> I'm not convinced that I won't come yet, but I'm not nearly as convinced that I will as I was in January.
1: Let me describe (laughs) to you something, uh, a a feature of, uh, or perhaps a few features of our new house. Mm -hmm. Um, There is at the back of the house, a room, which is commonly called here an Arizona room. Yeah. Which is an extension onto the original house. Uh, It's going to be, it's likely going to be more of a living room than the room at the front of the house. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There is uh, obviously, there are two doors uh, leading from the outside into the Arizona room. Uh, There is uh, a gate that you could go through from the front to get to the back. And there is a uh sliding glass door uh between the Arizona room and uh the rest of the house
2: mm-hmm.
1: just just putting that out there <laughs> as a kind of uh, I mean, socially point, distant house guest
0: at this I mean unless something insane happens where like the numbers really really spike I feel like the main thing keeping me from coming to see you guys is whether or not y'all are actually seeing each other. Yeah. Like if if you are at the point where you're maybe not going to the movies or going to the mall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, as we as we so often did.
0: Yeah. Um but you are, you know, the six of you sort of visiting each other. Mm. Um but yeah, if I had to come and just only see like You threw a window? That sucks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, However, uh, I mean, it will be October. Yeah. It will be a fine time to spend time outside. Yeah. And socially distant hanging out uh, could be done. Obviously, it's not ideal. but But I'd
0: have to pick one of you to not be socially distant with
1: because you would be staying
0: yes because i need to be in a car with one of you
1: uh because what for a pickup from the airport
0: yeah okay at that point fuck it let me just hug you all the time
1: if there's if you're (laughs) flying into tucson you know there's such a thing as lyft and uber
0: that's not any better
1: what? uh We the- don't need to
0: talk about my travel plans right now. Okay. <laughs> I did not like the idea of traveling to just stand six feet away from all of you. Either you're willing to let me hug you or you aren't.
1: Okay. Good to know that those are your terms. <laughs> I'll see you next year.
0: <laughs> um, so, Will, um, I know um, that you know what we're talking about today.
1: Are you skipping right past old business?
0: Oh, right. What's old business?
1: Let's just Sorry. hear that. Let's just let's just go into old business.
2: <gasps> old business.
1: Okay, here we are in old business. Real quick, it's been a couple of weeks since uh, the last episode we put out was the pub quiz episode.
2: Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Have you uh, heard from anyone who listened to that?
0: Yeah, I heard from Devotee of the Pod, Sarah, who said, I did not keep track on anything, but I did get all the Ruby Car ones right. Nice. (laughs) Ruby Core, Ruby Core.
1: Good to know. Um, I've heard from two people. Uh, One is Dana, who Mm -hmm. said that she was not keeping score, but she definitely did worse than you did. (laughs) So that's one, and that must be nice to hear. And then the other... uh, person i heard from was my mom oh who uh texted me uh daddy and i got 27.5
0: oh so i like knocked your mom out of the park
1: you did you did better than everyone i've heard from (laughs) she she went on to say uh i gave us half points when we got partial answers or when our answers were close (laughs) our best was seven points in rupee or poo god bless them our worst was half a point in video games oh which i'm guessing i didn't ask but i'm guessing the way that they got partial credit was from the uh dr mario question
0: yeah 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 i will say that makes me feel a little bit better about how we um uh curved my results my they mm-hmm. graded me on a curve because yes. they apparently also graded themselves on a curve so it re- mm-hmm. feels like they truly did get 10 points less than me
1: perhaps <laughs> yes yeah no and that was that was the spirit of the quiz as intended and mm-hmm. so I, I to you i say congratulations on thank you besting all of the competition that we're aware of
0: uh, do you have any other old business i don't
1: mm, no i'm good
0: So the thing we're talking about this week is um, something I think you know I'm incredibly smug about.
1: Mm, Yes. Something I I have heard you talk about before.
0: It's Catholicism. Uh, (laughs) Ah. No, it's not. Will, what are Mm. we talking about? I've been been waiting to do that joke all week. (laughs) Can you imagine if, like, this week I was like, we're going to tackle religion?
1: (laughs) I... I listen. I'm open-minded enough to uh, accept that perhaps <laughs> I I will I will enjoy this conversation very much. But in theory, before we have the conversation, I gotta say, you you <laughs> you really you really teased me with that because I would I would much rather have that Catholicism <laughs> conversation. Than than the conversation that we are going to have.
0: We could never have a... I could never be the smug one about Catholicism. It's
1: fair. I was
0: was raised out of the church.
1: Yeah, but still. I mean, you also (laughs) have never been a member of Taking Back Sunday. (laughs) But from your outside perspective on that, you're very smug. Um, We're talking about their album, Tell All Your Friends. Yeah. And I know this because you asked me last week, before we record the next episode, will you please listen to all of Taking Back Sundays, tell all your friends, and read the lyrics.
0: Yeah. I wanted you to read along. Yes. Um, Because I think that it's easy to miss stuff if you don't.
1: Sure. Because there is a lot of simultaneous... uh, Different lines happening.
0: Yes, yeah. Um,
1: that's one reason. Another reason is some of the songs are very fast-paced in their lyrics. Yeah,
0: and also some of the songs. I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more, but like some of the songs. Um, I think it's Blue Channel. Um, like when he's talking about a revisionist history, it's like Adam Lazera will warp his voice in such a way that like sometimes you just can't understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. until you know what to look for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I um, I talked about this album for about 10 minutes on our brand new episode. Yep. Um, which I re-listened to. Um, and we're not really going to get into the brand new um, parts of this, um, except mm-hmm. to mention very briefly that one of the songs was clearly um, a response to 70 times 7, which is, um, there's no I in team. But, I have been thinking a lot. I mean, I think about a lot about this album every spring because every spring I play this album with, as soon as it gets warm, I put this album on and put my windows down and like sing it really loudly. (sighs) And I've been thinking about this album a lot because I wouldn't even necessarily call this a problematic fave because Mm. it's so kitschy. That it seems like obvious that it's problematic in Did you a way, say kitschy? Yeah. Okay. It It's like, in a, it seems like so obvious that it's prob like, it just seems, it doesn't even seem self-aware. It just seems like. Bad. It seems like a teen drama, like Riverdale. Have you ever watched Riverdale? <laughs> the TV show?
1: Sorry, I had a little internet hiccup. What TV show? Riverdale. Mm, Yes.
0: So Kenny watches Riverdale, and it's there was an episode recently that I was listening to when I was playing Animal Crossing, and Veronica, it's like we're deep into it at this point, but uh, the principal accuses Veronica of having found a flask in her locker. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's like, What do you think the recruiter at that prestigious university you applied for would think of this? And she says this line, which is, The recruiter already saw me drinking alcohol at my speakeasy. Mm -hmm. And none of those things were hyperbolic. All of those things were true things, literal things, that had happened in that
2: episode.
1: (laughs) Sure.
0: And that, you know, where it gets to the point where it's, like, being in high school, which I like high school, and I like teen dramas, and I like that genre of, like, television and movies, is, like, so extreme and so um, funny.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I really think that Tell All Your Friends is a perfect album for what it is. Like, for the moment that it encapsulates. And I also think that this album is different than a lot of the other punk rock emo albums that came out in the mid-aughts. Okay. Because I think that it addresses themes um, that go... I think that it its execution is different. And I think it addresses themes that are different than most of those albums at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I have a thesis statement. Okay. Well, it's four it's tenets that I want to discuss when we talk about this album. And also I want to say, Will, that I know mm. you don't like this album. No. And I really want you to be tender to me because I had a very bad day. And if you're too mean, I am going to start crying.
1: I, I, I will, I'll do my best.
0: Um, and I've already cried a lot today. I cried when a butterfly died in my house. Sure. So these are the four reasons I think this album is, is this, like, perfect album of, like, mid-aughts punk rock.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: It's urgent.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Each song pushes forward to a swell and a break, which is, um... Very much, I think, a feeling of being a youth, which is mm-hmm. that, like, there's an urgency to everything because of the, like, fleetingness of it.
2: Mm
0: hmm. Um, I, it's not feminist as we've discussed, but I think it does perfectly encapsulate, like, a specific way in which it's not feminist. <laughs> um, which feels like very much like a historical record to me when I look at it. Mm hmm. Um, its conversational delivery allows for a complexity which is at a bare minimum like sonically um, that other punk albums of the time did not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the arc and themes that are emblematic of it has the arc and themes that are emblematic of a high school experience um, which is that it's boisterous it's pompous and it's hyperbolic but that makes it fun Mm -hmm. instead of like serious
1: Mm -hmm. does that make sense yes i mean yes in in theory absolutely yes sure it makes sense in theory as it applies perhaps i won't agree but (laughs) it makes sense
0: so um i want to give a little bit of um background to me as a high schooler which i feel like i don't think we've talked about this specifically before um when i was in high school like specifically my friend chad and i were like very aware of the fact that we were in high school sure and we really wanted to avoid like the cliches of being in high school Mm -hmm. and part of the way we did that was like we were trying to find something that had like meaning, like capital M meaning.
2: Okay.
0: Instead of the sort of like um, I feel like we were told by a lot of media that like like I feel like we were told by a lot of media that not that high school was the best time of our lives but that you know people got out of high school and they were so foolish when they were in high school and then they grew up and we like didn't want to be foolish when we were in high school. Sure. And so I actually, so this album came out in 2002 and I really didn't start listening to it until like three or four years later. And it was like absolutely like a guilty pleasure at the time too, mm-hmm. because at the time, like I did not take it at face value mm-hmm. because of this like mindset I had. Um, To give you also like an idea of like um, what I mean when I say like. I was like not taking the high school experience like as – like I saw it as something that could be cliche and I was trying to avoid that. I didn't go to any like school dances. Mm -hmm. The only one I went to was my ex-boyfriend Josh um, had a homecoming my senior year that he invited me to. And I was like, we can do this. And then we went and I was – we were both like, this is weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't go to prom. But my friends did have sushi prom because all my friends went to different high schools. And so, um, like, we – they and a lot of them went to CASA, which was the Capital Area School of the Arts, where they were, like – it was an arts magnet school in the afternoon. And Mm -hmm. I never could go because, like, my academic classes were always in the way. Um, But they – we, like, would – for we would have sushi prom and sushi homecoming. We did this multiple times. And we would just spend, like, $50 on sushi, which
1: mm-hmm. was, like,
0: an enormous amount of money.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: Um, and wear our nicest clothes. And I remember my friend Dan Weschler, who actually just emailed me because of um, something unrelated to this. Um, he had this bus we called. he had this van we called the Party Bus, which was this, like, weird – it was this, like, weird van that had, like, inside lighting. But, like, not – it didn't have seats, if I remember correctly. And we would just like pile into this like van and he would drive us places.
2: Mm-hmm. But it,
0: we could fit like 11 people in there. Yes. Um, which tangent, this should have been an old business and I forgot about it. I, when I was emailing with him, I mentioned that he and his fiance should play Oprah Den. Ah. And uh, he said, I'm so glad you mentioned that to me. I never finished it, but that game was starting to feel like a dream to me. Mm hmm. Uh, and then he said, if you like puzzle games, you should play, can you guess what he said? Tetris. The Witness.
1: Ah. Um. Yes. I was like,
0: ah, I need to email him back about that one. I have an email back. Anyway.
1: Episode 10 of this podcast. Send him a link.
0: <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, for me, I guess, like, I always saw this album as something that was... um. Didn't have meaning with a capital M. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Okay. It wasn't The Science of Sleep. It wasn't Amelie. Um, it wasn't The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. It wasn't uh, uh, Wilco, which I, like, desperately wanted to like Wilco. And
1: I, hmm. I
2: still
0: don't really like Wilco that much.
2: <laughs>
1: That's interesting. Okay, so you, you transitioned from, you named like four of your favorite movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then a band uh, that you want to appreciate because you think that perceived capital M meaning is there. Yeah. But you never access them in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: what? Broken Social Scene was the other one that I was like, this gotcha. is meaningful.
1: Yes, sure, sure.
0: And, um, so yeah, so, um, I just, I feel like that context is important because uh, I'm sure that a lot of people who love this album love it specifically because it did have capital M meaning for them. And I was coming at it from a very different angle at the time, which was this sort of like built in nostalgia for a time I was already experiencing (laughs) yes and then also fun it was fun mm-hmm. so i want to go through the sort of arc of this album with you i'm okay. i'm not gonna have us like listen to the songs as we go through it good um
1: <laughs> so you just you just think you know what i what i would say if if you tried to get a baseline you just you know where i'm coming from yeah you don't already because
0: you think it's bad
1: yeah, that, that's right.
0: And you can't. I want you to make fun of me.
1: Don't don't you want to know how I arrived at that conclusion? Sure. I I listened to it on, and uh, only once. Uh
2: huh.
1: I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah. My 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 baseline is that I w- I wouldn't have listened to this uh, if you hadn't asked. I wasn't listening to it at the time. You said it was new in two thousand and two. Yeah. So I would have been 12. So I would have been fully listening to Ska. And then uh, in the years that followed, I would have been listening to Brand New, mm-hmm. which might have ushered me into listening to this, mm-hmm. but it but it didn't because no one recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if I was ever aware of it, I never sh- had any interest. I was listening to, I, 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 I listened to this and I really tried to think to myself like, okay, what is the closest I came to listening to this? Uh-huh. And listening to something that I consider to be of a comparable quality, uh-huh. which for me means that today I'm a little bit embarrassed Mm -hmm. that this was ever something that I, like, really vibed on. Yeah. And the answer that I came to was the band Motion City Soundtrack.
0: Oh, yeah. That's totally the same, like, genre, time period. Yeah.
1: At the same time I started listening to Brand New, I also started listening to Motion City Soundtrack. And those were, like, in my mind at the time, like, two of a kind. Mm Mm-hmm. And 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 now, and my perspective on it now today is that like, I could have fun listening to some Motion City soundtrack songs, but with the knowledge that like this is kind of crappy, mm-hmm. and um, brand new is like kind of somewhere in between that category and something that I can still uh, appreciate uh, yeah. today without you know, fully uh, relying on nostalgia to do so.
0: Yeah. I also want to say that with this album, it is not, I mean, like, it is nostalgic for me in the sense that it um, conjures feelings of high school. Mm -hmm. But it is not, I I do think that this album is good. (laughs) I want to be very clear about that.
1: Yes, and i i hope I hope that we can disagree without me, you know, Making offending you or upsetting yep. you. Like just last night, Dana and I watched a movie, mm-hmm. and Dana's feeling was that movie was bad. <laughs> um, it was pointless. It was just some horrible things happening. Mm-hmm. With no point to it, and so it, so the it's it's exploitative because mm-hmm. it's it's because it's pointless and horrible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And po- I, I, I part of my reaction to it was to say, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. I think that you and I, Dana and I, have different thresholds mm-hmm. for what counts as exploitative mm-hmm. or gross mm-hmm. or tasteless. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, certainly there are reasons why the, why our perspectives are different and not the least of those reasons are she's a woman. She has her experience as a woman. I'm a man. I have my experience as a man. It, it, it's informed by that. Yeah. But I was trying, but I, as I tried to say, I hope that these differences in our tastes mm-hmm. can just be that. Yes. They're, they're differences and that neither one, n- n- and, and and it doesn't indicate that one of us is morally superior to the other.
0: Yeah. this We're not talking about differences on racism right now. <laughs> right. You and I are on board with that. It's bad.
1: <laughs> Racism bad, yes. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and and, and last night w- in the context of the movie, which I'll just say it, it was the Twin Peaks movie. It was Firewalk mm. with me because um, we just finished watching Twin Peaks, the original series, and then we watched the movie, and now we're watching The Return. And the movie is generally not well liked. It, it mm-hmm. was not well received. I think Dana is in the the vast majority, thinking it was bad. Um, I enjoyed watching it, even though it is not good. Mm, yeah, I'm, I, that's fair. I'm not, yeah, not here to argue that it's good. I yeah. just I just uh, appreciated it, d- yeah. despite itself.
0: That's how I feel about the last Star Wars movie.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I, I gave Rise of Skywalker three out of five stars on Letterboxd. Yeah. It's it's probably worse than that. It's not a good film. But I had But I love it. I had a I don't love it. But I had a three star time (laughs) watching that movie, which is better than bad.
0: Yes, I had a great time watching that movie. And I don't need to explain that to anyone.
1: I would love, I one day I would love to hear that explanation though.
0: Though my brother will, will love to explain to me why it was bad.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> and he's right, but also he can't take away how much you enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. It's um,
1: just, it's a little, it's a fire walk with me. It's a little different because it's like, have you, have you watched any, you know, Twin Peaks is a, is like, a, it's murder, a murder. mystery. It's a yeah. murder mystery and Fire Walk with Me is it's mostly a prequel and it's oh, like so it's the it, murder. Yeah, it's like the last week of that girl's life. Yeah. And it and it and it it doesn't end before she's murdered. <laughs>
0: oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I can see why Dana's like <laughs> you know, fuck this or whatever.
1: Yeah, I definitely understand the perspective that like it's pointless, it's it's or it's tasteless or both. Um, but I, I hope the only, the whole reason I brought this up is I hope that these differences of opinion can just be, well, there's no hard feelings. It's a matter of taste. Yeah. It's, it's not a matter of moral high ground or, or, you know, being right versus being wrong. Just as long Um, as you can
0: understand, like, conceptually what I'm saying.
1: Conceptually, if you tell me that this is a perfect album, as you are as you have said and you are going to say more on, mm-hmm. I I could I could frame that in my mind of like, okay, I understand that. Mm-hmm. There is In theory, uh, almost like a Platonic ideal, right? Yes. (laughs) In 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 the world of the Platonic ideal, there is such a thing as the perfect piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. And I and I could look at it and say
0: mid aughts punk rock slash emo slash post-hardcore album,
1: which for me is is a synonym for piece of shit. That's that's just how I look at it.
0: Um okay, can I get into it? Yeah, please. So um the album starts with a song called You Know How I Do and mm-hmm. starts with two lines that are uh oft quoted. I have a friend who's pregnant right now and she recently tweeted me, so sick, so sick of being tired and oh so tired of being sick. Yes. <laughs> and this line, da- this song does a couple of things um, that I think really set up the rest of the album. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So the first thing is that it um, has a misheard lyric of mine, <laughs> mm-hmm. which we did not talk about, I don't think, on the episode. Which is that he says so obviously desperate, so desperately obvious. Again, this is like another like play where he's taking words and flipping them. Yeah. I thought it was so odiously desperate, mm. like like somebody being loud about their desperateness. Sure. Um, and honestly, my version's better in this one case, but that's fine. Um, but the other thing that it does is it sets up both um misogyny mm-hmm. and it sets up like a pretty serious contradiction throughout the uh, the album um and also sets up that this album and this is i think part of the strongest part about this album which is that this album is very often if not most of the time not about a female romance
2: uh-huh.
0: it's about what I dare to call a bromance yes. because it's something this album talks a lot about intimacy um mm-hmm. and a lot of the intimacy is uh through friendship but it's never like oh just like being like pals with somebody it's like you and I were intimately friends and you have betrayed me yes and so the way that it brings so the misogyny part and this is part, and oh, also, so also, this album does this thing a lot where it brings up these sort of like words or concepts which are like way beyond the scope of this album.
2: Uh huh.
0: And, uh, both either because they are like not at all related to this like person's lived experience, I'm like almost certain, or because, um, they're like way more highfalutin than they should be. And in this case, he says, um, he says, so good at setting bad examples. Listen, trick. I've had all I can handle. And, like, calling a woman a trick in this song
2: right. <laughs> makes no
0: sense. It's so funny. Come on. <laughs> you're not...
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, she's not a prostitute. Sex worker.
0: <laughs> she's not a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the contradiction that comes up here is... um. He says, we won't stand for hazy eyes anymore. The idea being that, like, you know, somebody's high. And, um.
1: Yeah. What is the deal with this? With what? Uh, We won't stand for hazy eyes anymore. Which is, which is, if you haven't heard the song, that's a line that it gets repeated a lot. I would mm-hmm. say to excess in the lyrics of this song. Which this is this is one of the few things that I latched on to listening to the songs and reading it. Uh, most of this just sort of in one ear out the other. But that line in particular just made me think, like, what what's what's their problem? Are they cops?
0: <laughs> so I actually I have a conjecture for this, and I could be totally wrong. Um but I will say that in the scene at the time um, there was, drug use was pretty, there were both extremes of drug use, right? So there were people that were using a lot of drugs, a lot of punks. This, I knew a kid named Jeff who died of an alcohol overdose when he was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't friends with this dude. and He was also mean. But, um, you know, he clearly, he was a punk. He had long, this really long hair. He had leather pants that he wore to school every day and a leather jacket that he wore to school every day. Um and then you have kids that are straight edge yes and so there was this mentality of kids in, and and young adults in the scene where they would go from being like well you know we need to like not deal with the shit of people getting drunk and high too much mhm and that's not like a real or authentic experience like, yeah. these people are just numbing themselves to really, like, feeling things. Again, if yeah. we're talking about, like, meaning capital M. Yeah. And, um, like, I'm going to, like, cut back on this for a while. Even mm. though these people weren't in, again, this straight-edge ca- straight category, but people were also not in the, like, alcoholic die-of-an-overdose category.
1: Um, so, if I'm understanding you correctly, it sounds like you're saying... Taking Back Sunday, they weren't straight edge, Mm -mm. but the sort of straight edge movement probably informed the lyrics that I found weird.
0: Yeah, it's more so that, like, these two extremes were, like, pulling at the people in the middle pretty consistently, pretty constantly. Okay, gotcha. And also that, um, also that, uh... It was, like, different levels of cool to do them, too. Like, I knew a dude who was straight-edge who did not drink tea. Mm-hmm. Because it had caffeine in it. Sure. Um, I also knew people that would say, like, well, you're not straight-edge until you're 21 because then you're you're not drinking or doing drugs. You're just following the law. mm mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. I think this person – I think – and this also, I think, is a pompous thing, right? Like, this person is – the speaker in this song is saying, um, "Like, oh well, I'm like too good for drugs right now." Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're positioning themselves, even though I don't think it's something that they that he actually believes.
1: I think that's I think that's part of the reason why I responded to it negatively. Yeah, is because I, even just at a glance, even like not really not repeat listening not you know giving giving it too much of my attention mm-hmm. that that pomposity uh, really came through and uh, that's part of part of why i think it's obnoxious
0: the other and thing not, that gets... not in a fun way yeah that's fair um the other thing that he does in this song is he sets up this like friendship situation yeah. where he says, think of all the days you spent alone with just your TV set and I. Um and one could argue that like the we don't know the gender of the speaker here. But then he says they get to the end of the song, which is, let's go. He smoked out in the back of the van, says he's held up with holding on and on and on and on and on. And so now we know that the you in this song like is a he, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so this first song is setting up this whole album to have an arc that is like looking at this intimate like friendship. Um, Don't worry, the girls will show up. (laughs) The girls will show up, but the romance romance will show up. Um, But the real tension here is coming from this relationship
1: with a friend. You, you, You know this, obviously way better than i do i i just um i hear what you said and i uh, just want to make sure that there isn't room for another reading yeah sure there's there's no there's no other guy in this song like you you said you said oh well in this last stanza mm-hmm. he's smoked out in the back of the van that must be the you from the rest of the song. Yeah. There's no... There's no chance that the you is in fact a girl and that he... The he of the he is is like the other guy, you know? It's possible. Like, let's go. He's smoked out in the back of the van. Ditch him. Get with me.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that that's... Um... A fine reading as well. And I think that that also fits into this sort of tension, which is like, you know, constantly navigating friendship and romance, yeah, um, which we'll we'll talk about more, which is that like part of what is hard about finding capital M meaning in high school is that everything is so fleeting. And so like romances that you have are real, but you sort of go into every romance knowing that you're gonna break up
2: mm-hmm.
0: And um, I think that part of the frustration of this album is that, like, best friends could mean friends forever in a way that your girlfriend's not going to. Mm. Um But yeah.
1: That's, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. But I always that- and
0: I I always read the let's go as a turn mm-hmm. where um it, because of the break that happened with let's go it was shifting perspectives and that's how the the you became a he, but I don't think that your reading is is bad.
1: Yeah, no, that's what that the way that you are comparing it to um feelings and situations that are familiar to me from high school, that's an interesting perspective and that's a way in for me. The 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 <laughs> count the counterpoint to that way in is that mm. my next question immediately becomes why are these dudes singing about relationships that apply to high school? Like what like why are they why are they writing songs about that 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 are so relatable to to high school at all
0: well i think that they were young when this album came out okay so i'm saying high school i think that it could count for like early 20s
1: sure okay
0: but let me do math really quick
1: <laughs> you calculating ages
0: yeah where's where's my calculator oh i have one on my telephone So, Adam Lazaro, who's the lead singer, and they're all about the same age. Sure. So, in 2002, he was 21. Okay. So, their lived experiences were... I mean, that's when the album came out. They'd written it before then. Right. And there's also uh, something to be said. (laughs) So, the first um, five of the songs on this album that Victory Records put out, they had recorded like in somebody's house as a demo that they mm-hmm. also called tell all your friends. Yeah. Um, now of course the, the lyric shows up in a song, which we haven't gotten to yet, but I was um, listening to this sort of like talk thing they did that they posted on the YouTube channel, which we'll link in the show notes where they were talking about 20 years since tell all your friends. And they were like, Oh, it was like social media, like barely existed. So, yeah. we, so we were like, please just tell all your friends about our album. Yeah. Like, they, they were like... Which is funny because it's also in the song. Like, I had never... Right. I never had any questions about why they picked that. Right. Um, but they they were... think they, they thought they were being very strategic. Um, mm-hmm. Which is to say that those first five songs were absolutely written earlier mm. than um, the rest of the album. Because gotcha. it came out. And my ex-boyfriend Dustin, bless him, said to me once... <laughs> Yeah, I, like, almost can't even listen to the second half of this album. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was, like, the epitome of I liked them before they were cool.
2: Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Where I was just like, I can't, I can't with you right now. I remember specifically when he said that to me. We were driving to Penn State mm. um, on a weekend trip. Um,
1: so multiple bad things were happening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was falling in love with him at the time.
1: Just bad, Just a bad day, sounds like.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the first song. So then we move on to bike scene. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think we've set some good precedent here. Yes, yes. Um, bike scene is when we absolutely get to this romance situation. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it starts with this beginning part, which is so funny because (laughs) it sounds like a plan and it sounds like a bad plan. Mm -hmm. It starts I'll leave the lights down low so she knows I mean business and maybe we could talk this over because I could be your best bet let alone your worst ex, let alone your worst. And this idea of like, this is how I'm going to let this girl know that I want to sleep with her is hilarious.
1: Um, It it is like it's this close to, like, to being Flight of the Concord's like, lyrics to yeah. <laughs> their song Business Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but this song, I think, is where we get a real sense of the urgency that I was talking about earlier, Um, which is that I feel like, at least for me when I was in high school, and I don't think that this is, like, necess- I think this is fun at the time, but it's absolutely not sustainable. And, like, I'm very glad to have been, like, with Kenny for 11 years now. <laughs> but there's this, like, sense of urgency with that fleetingness that I was talking about, right? Like, when you date somebody and you're 16, like, when I was dating Ben Walk. Hello, Ben. Full name, Ben Walk. I mm-hmm. did not think I was going to get married to Ben Walk.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: there's something inevitable about the relationships that you're in in high school. Because you know, somewhere in your head, or at least I did, that I was probably not going to marry this person. Sure. Um, Or, you know, have a very long-term relationship with them. And so there's something where you sort of have to say, like, you know, how much time do I have with this person and what can I make of that time? And that's how I think that, some of these relationships can then be not great. So here he says, this line, which again is iconic, I want to hate you so bad, but I can't. But it doesn't end with I can't.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It goes on to say, stop this, right? right? So there's this midline turn, which is surprising, any more than you can. So the idea that these two people are trapped in this like inevitable and faded relationship just feels like so much like the crashing of a romance that you have in high school. Um, where the feelings are so intense that you can't even discern what they are
2: mm-hmm.
0: except intense. Um, and again, this meaning comes up in the lyrics, right? So I, I keep talking about like things having meaning. And here he says, in the second verse, he says, how could you say those things when you know they don't mean anything and you know very well that I can't keep my hands to myself? And the way that I always read this was that both of them are posturing and both of them know there's some level of shallowness to this relationship and that it's largely lust. Um, And yet still... They are moving forward with whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this song also includes lyrics or lyrics sung by Michelle Nolan. The lady that you're hearing. Okay. That's John Nolan's uh, sister, who's the, the backup singer. Okay. Um, and this song also has this line that I just feel like Feels so out of place in this song, which is he says, um, Well, first off, he says this you've got this silly way, and the way he says silly, I feel like could never be replicated ever. Mm-hmm. It's like silly away.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's
0: so funny. Um, and I don't even think he could re- recreate it um, of keeping me on the edge of my seat, but you're only counting. The Clock Against the Train, which is like, why is this line in here? Like, that mm. line is fine. Like, if this line was, like, in, like, some fucking indie band song with, like, yeah. other lyrics around it... Right. We'd be like, cool, a line about a clock and trains. Yes. Like, timekeeping.
1: Yes. Yes, you. I, I'm definitely on the same page with you there. I would definitely... I definitely see why you single out that line,
0: <laughs> but then even that, I love how he goes from like this sort of like highfalutin. I say highfalutin like comparatively to the rest of the song line. Yes, to just it's all and I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then this song ends with I didn't want it to mean that much to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a discrepancy here where he doesn't want to necessarily feel the feelings that he's feeling this intensely because he knows that they don't mean anything, but he can't help it. Um, that feels so, so real to me. (laughs) Well,
1: it's fair Uh, enough. Okay. These are, these are, these are songs for, for people who have some, have felt some really intense feelings and, uh, Perhaps get something out of revisiting that.
0: Oh, do you not feel intense feelings just constantly?
1: I I have in the past. <laughs> and uh, I, I prefer to live uh, moment to moment.
0: Um, so cute without the E, cut from the team. I did learn from that video where the name of this song came from. I guess there was this dude they named him but i didn't know who he was who was selling merch when they were on their first tour and i guess this like dude was really like um he would get like a like a phrase stuck in his head and this particular night they had like recorded the song but they hadn't named it yet and um this particular night anytime somebody annoyed him he'd be like you're cute without the e." cut from the team, and would like like throw his like thumb over his shoulder like get out of here yeah <laughs> which i think is very funny <laughs> Um, as, as
1: a thing to say. <laughs> very, very good.
0: <laughs> um, so this song is probably... I think it's their most famous. Yes. Either after You're So Summer, You're So Last Summer, or, like, more famous than You're So Last Summer.
1: I think this is number one in terms of Uh, It's an impact on the culture.
0: And this is the first song that guns show up in. Mm. There's a lot of guns in this album. And this is part of the reason why I could never take this fucking album seriously. Because if you look at these boys
2: Mm.
0: in 2002, none of them own a gun. Right. None of them have shot a gun. None of them have had a sniper, which shows up later. (laughs)
1: Great. And
0: this is what I mean when I say this album is hyperbolic, right? So like I think it's pretty obvious to him that he is like to Adam Lazera that he has uh not he is not speaking about a real gun here, right? He's speaking metaphorically. Um and I feel like in this time period this was imagery that was popular mm-hmm. like to go sort of like to take something to its fullest extension and this was like one of the fullest extensions of those things
1: it was uh it was 2002 it was uh post columbine yeah i mean obviously i mean it was also post 911 but as you said these these were still in the early part of the album where these songs were written earlier do you have any read on whether this song was written pre or post 911
0: Ooh, i'm guessing post hmm and they're from long
1: island mm-hmm um yeah i'm just you know we're talking a lot about uh high school yeah and uh angst and these intense feelings and now you bring guns into the mix yeah and that just makes me think like oh would would we have that without columbine
2: so did, it might did have columbine written...
1: give us this like very easy cliche of like well you must be reaching for a gun if you feel this <laughs> alienated as a young person
0: so um it wikipedia is telling me that it was recorded between december and january of 2002 which makes me think that you know, one might even say it was written with 9-11, if that makes sense. Perhaps. Like, even if it was written before the way that they
1: performed it was in the time. I, I, I also just want to add, I think, in, in, with my limited knowledge of these songs, uh-huh. I think it is, uh, I mean, as you've already said in, in one way or another, this is so of its time. Yes. And representative of that time. However, I think as an exercise, it's a little bit difficult to apply context mm-hmm. to to the to the subjects of these songs. Yeah. Because the the content of the lyrics is so navel gazing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Like there's there's no there's there Th- there's not even a shadow of like something that happened on a global scale. No, absolutely in, not. In, in, these, in these lyrics. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I regret bringing up Columbine and nine eleven <laughs> because it's hard to make <laughs> them relevant to, uh, these, these lyrics.
0: I mean, something I have been talking about. A lot. Um, And I've talked about this before with some friends, which is, I mean, to bring up, to call back to Bon Appetit. One of the things that happened with Bon Appetit was um, one of the contributors, Alex Delaney, had a Tumblr. And Delaney is the youngest one out of everyone. He's like 27. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 10 years ago, he was 17. And when he was 17, he made his he had a friend moving to south carolina and he made the friend a confederate flag cake
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and he said something like uh i forget exactly what the caption was but the tone of it felt sort of like oh we're gonna miss you so much like have fun in the weird like in the south where it's like weird (laughs)
2: yeah
0: and like clearly confederate flags suck and they're like not really a joke but i have trouble faulting a child and, and I mean that when you're 17, for not understanding the, like, weight of that, especially mm-hmm. if you're not getting, like, education about it. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a kid, and I say kid, like, to mean, like, a, a large span here, and I think that this applies to this too, like, bad things are sort of bad on a blanket level, and it's hard to understand the nuance between them.
2: Mm-hmm
0: because we have things like murder mysteries which are fun and in dinner theater mm mm-hmm. but like murder not fun right sure people joke about killing other people all the time so like why not joke about raping about raping someone i can tell you why because there's real weight to these things right and these are people's lived experiences and lived pain but in high school it's hard to, like, you just, you sort of get told that these things are bad, but because very often you don't have, like, the lived experience to inform what that could mean, it means people make a lot of shitty jokes. Mm-hmm. And also, do things like put guns in their songs, not understanding domestic gun violence is this, like, very real thing. Um, and so... I feel like that's part of what's happening here, too, is I feel like these people maybe didn't totally realize what even they were talking about.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. Um, But it was,
1: like, it was an easy thing to reach for. Yes. Like, in the the culture at the time. Because if you're
0: being serious, what's a serious thing? Right. It's like, you know, every freshman's fiction story.
1: Yeah, it's a shortcut.
0: Yeah. Um
1: It's like oh, uh, I'm going to kill myself. That's how deep I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um So this song is just very fun. Um, it does <laughs> it does the um it does the back and forth thing. Um maybe it might be the pe- it might peak in this song.
1: Okay. Yeah, um, the the vocals, the multiple vocals.
0: Yeah. Um, it's so chaotic and you have to p- pick a lane, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and in this part, it's got this particularly great thing because it's got John Nolan saying very quickly, hoping for the best, just hope that nothing happens. A thousand clever lines, unread, on clever napkins. I will never ask if you don't ever tell me. I know you well enough to know you'll never love me. With Adam Lazara's voice sailing over the top, saying, why can't I feel anything from anyone other than you? And this is, like, so fun. <laughs> You've got this, like, thing that's, like, bippin' and bopping along on the bottom with this, like, very generalized statement at the top. But again, it's the statement that's sort of this thesis statement, right? And I remember writing in a zine about my friend Jeremy, who I had sort of dated, I dated for three weeks and he cheated on me with a French horn player, that um, like maybe I'm just always going to only feel this way about Jeremy because I had tried to feel other things for other people and it was not working out. And when you're 17 a year, feels like a very long time to feel this way about one person.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but also, this song, um, which I think is focusing more on the, this female relationship, again, does this turn at the end? Where in the outro... He says, I stay wrecked and jealous for this, uh, for this simple reason. I just need to keep you in mind as something larger than life. And you have Nolan come in singing, she'll just, des- she'll destroy us all before she's through. So this, this woman is like maybe flitting between them. I mean, I think that's the, absolutely the implication and there's no I in team. Um, but there's this question of like, she, like, she's the enemy, Right. Mm -hmm. Because you and I, we're the real deal. We're best friends. And... You can't... You can't let this happen.
2: Yes. So
0: that's cute without the E. So next we have There's No I in Team, which, as we've discussed, is the um, brand new response. Um, And this is where it gets... Like, almost as, like, Sam Martin and I have talked about this, like, it almost starts to feel, like, homoerotic in terms of, like, how, like, intimate he's being. Like, how desperate he is to want to be friends with this dude still. Yeah. So the conceit of the song is, like, that the the one person, like, the dude slept with the girl, whether or not they were dating at the time or if it was after they broke up, it's, like, not clear. But there are these, like, um sort of key phrases are so they're talking about fighting with each other blah 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 you know men only know how to communicate through physical violence i don't actually mean that i mean like that's the like tone but then there's this line about how he's soaking in sympathy from friends who never loved you nearly half as much as me (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like that's i mean what a what a tender line like, what a tender admission in this album? Like, in this album from this time period. Mm-hmm. And then later, and this is one of those things that, like, I didn't really pick up on until, like, I was really closely reading the lyrics as I got older. But the chorus is, the chorus says, don't believe me when I tell you it's just what anyone would do. That's in quotes, like, The speaker is saying, like, don't believe me when I'm telling you, like, me reacting this way is just what anyone would do. And then he says, don't believe me when I tell you it's something unforgivable. And that's like, that takes some untangling, right? That's not Mm -hmm. something you understand right away. He's saying, don't believe me when I tell you I can't forgive you. I can forgive you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can forgive you. Let me forgive you. Um. (coughs) <coughs> um and of course this is where um we get the um the uh starting to repeat the best friends means best friends means, but not actually finishing what it means. And then we get to the end, which is <laughs> the hyperbole in this best friends means I pull the trigger best friends means you get what you deserve (laughs) cool but again i can't i can't believe it like i cannot believe it um because the line before that is don't believe me when i tell you when i tell you it's something unforgivable
1: yeah i think that's part of what i'm responding to is that there you you if you if you participate in this exercise that you are doing Mm -hmm. where you do a close reading and by doing a close reading you can cherry pick parts of the lyrics and and draw meaning from those parts Mm -hmm. but if you if you take them all together I think that you have to (laughs) you have to admit that there is an incoherence when you put all the parts together and I think what I have responded to listening to it as little as I have is it's incoherent. Uh, therefore, I'm. I'm not. I don't really respond to it.
0: I guess I see the incoherence because I think it's very contradictory. It, it, it
1: just. It feels. It feels like it, it. The 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 incoherence makes it feel like the point of it is just to say pithy, emotional sounding things. Yeah, with that's no p-
0: absolutely part of it
1: the point of it though yes i didn't say just part of it like yeah. it seems it seems like the the beginning and the end of the thinking behind the songwriting mm-hmm. is say say the the shit that sounds the deepest yeah and that, and when it when in, in fact the result is that is very shallow yeah because taken all together the things don't cohere they just they just sound like you know buzz buzz lines
0: i think that a lot of this album is about showmanship Mm -hmm. and um i think what i see i don't see what i'm pulling out as necessarily cherry picking i see what i'm pulling out as if we're looking at this as having not a literal plot arc but like an emotional arc yeah I think that the album is about this person who's incredibly pompous and also incredibly young and, and being driven by the intensity of his emotions, um, who has these sort of like pinpricks of light coming through where you get this sense that like, there's something more going on than if you are just listening on the surface. Um, to relate this to something that happened in real life, um brand new would criticize adam lazara for his showmanship on stage adam lazara was known for because he didn't play an instrument he's just a vocalist and he was known for how he would take the microphone and swing it in the air and also swing it so it went around his neck and then would hold it there's a video of him from warp tour which i don't know if it exists anymore Where he climbs the scaffolding and is hanging upside down singing into the mic. And so, uh, Taking Back Sunday put out a shirt that said, like, mic swinging since 2002. And Brand New put out a shirt that said, mics are for singing, not swinging. (laughs) Which is to say that I think that you're right. Like, a lot of this is incredibly pithy. I think that part of that is part of the showmanship of this band as opposed to the other bands
1: yeah and i think what brand new was latching on to is that i think it's very it's 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 easy to look at that and and see uh, uh, superficial quality
0: yeah um and i guess also my point is that i'm like into it being superficial because i think it's fun Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Great Romances of the 20th Century, my song, because it has my month in it, September never stays this cold. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: I was born in September. Yes. Um. And this is also, like, just about, when you're looking at the sort of, like, urgency of these songs like this song is desperate before it peaks which we get in the next song um and this is now um shifted back to the focus of the woman in the romance um because he's talking about um them having some sort of relations and what those relations are are up in the air um there is this line that the line that's sort of famous from the song is, she says, come on, come on, let's just get this over with. Which is also one of the few times that we actually get to sort of hear from the woman. Very often the woman is even like a pawn between these two men, as I've discussed. Um, And I think it's interesting that we hear that from her because it absolutely could be taken as like, like, a sexual encounter where she's, like, let's just get this over with, like, and she's feeling very defeated. But I think it also could be, like, them breaking up, them having to, like, have some sort of talk about something. And I think that there is, like, a real tiredness to this song that I've always really liked. Um, And... What was the other thing I wanted to mention about this song? Um right this is what this was so the way this song ends though is so like in your face he's singing i'm in your room is this turning you on am i turning you on i'm in your room are you turned on i'm on the corner of your bed i'm thinking maybe are you turned on are you turned on and it's so accusatory it's so it's so like like the pompousness here is like just the most, maybe the most it'll be in the whole album. And something that I think is funny about this is that I listened to a live version of this and I could not find it when I looked for it last night. And he was singing like an acoustic version of this sort of recently, like within the past three years. And he would not sing the Are You Turned On line. He had the crowd sing it. And then he said, I just feel weird about singing that line now. To which I say, that's the one you feel weird about? (laughs) Like, out of all the lyrics in this album, that's the one that you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Isn't that so funny?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'll just take this opportunity to say, I wonder if the listener is having a similar experience to the experience i think i'm having which i would describe as you you frame this conversation as you love this album and it's fun uh and you have a ritual for listening to it and then your deep dive into it is just describing gross thing after gross thing <laughs> <laughs> and well, it, okay. it honestly like if you just took the frame away it would sound like you were deconstructing this album for the purpose of a takedown
0: i think that i'm my experience in high school wasn't gross but my experience in high school was also immature
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and like the idea of getting being able to be in somebody's bedroom when you're in high school is, like, forbidden, right? Yes. And so... I guess my point is, yeah, this is, like... It's not, like, a healthy relationship, but that's not why I'm here for it, you know? Yeah. Just like when people read romance novels, they're not looking for owning a horse farm and falling in love with a cowboy.
1: Yeah, part of the reason why there's a disconnect here is that I just don't look back on being in high school in the in the way that to hear you talk about it, it seems like you do plenty of.
0: Yeah, had a good time.
1: Good. We, we, um, we, 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 we all, we all need to, to cast our mind's eye upon some better times. Yeah. In, in times of trouble.
0: Um. So, Ghost Man on 3rd is a song that is least easy to understand because of the way that Lazara delivers the lyrics.
1: Okay
0: and also has some of the most like complicated like lyrics but you like can't hear them. Uh. Uh-huh. He says it's a cam- it's a campaign of distraction, revisionist history.
2: <laughs>
0: revisionist history is in this song. Why?
1: Because the the songwriter you probably like I don't know had a thesaurus or the or some equivalent to that they were just <laughs> they were just putting things in that sounded good,
0: well, and I think that the other thing to, that is really so so this song like sonically again is like um the most sort of like broken song from like the singing perspective in the sense that like the the per, like Lazara's like barely enunciating the words it's like all of the music is like sort of al- almost the pure emotion of sound as opposed to like relying on what the words are saying anyway. Um, the one thing that's worth knowing is he says, it's times like these when silence means everything and no one is to know about this, which mirrors in bike scene the phrase, um, oh, let me find it. Um let's never talk about this again. And I think that this song also is getting at this idea of like, you know, we have to have these secrets, right? Like high schoolers have to have these secrets. If anything, you know, young people are having secrets from their parents most of the time because their parents are like saying ridiculous things. Like you can't date anyone. Which doesn't make any sense, because what does dating mean when you're 16? So, like, what does that even mean? Like, you're not allowed to have feelings. Um, So, yes. Um, This song, after it, we get to the end of it, he he gets this line, which is, this is what living like this does, which I love, because it's so hyperbolic. Like, living like this, like what? (laughs) Like, you're a child. But I think that when you're in it like that, and you're just, like, really going, like, whole hog at something, um, you really think, like, you know, this is what living like this does to me. Like, it really wears me down.
1: It really do be like that sometimes.
0: (laughs) Um... And then we get to Timberwolves of New Jersey. And from here, it's like an upswing for the rest of the album. What?
1: Sorry. I'm just laughing because I think the song titles are so terrible.
0: Well, Timberwolves at New Jersey is like just literally about they wrote the song when there was a basketball game playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this song also has like a really oft-quoted Taking Back Sunday line.
1: It has a couple of them. Um. And when you say oft-quoted, I'm picturing the context for quoting it is almost exclusively aim-away messages.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, or my friends um, texting me. Sure. Um, there's just a few things that I think you should know. These words at best were worse than teenage poetry. Which is so funny because it's supposed to be a dig, right? But, like, what is he writing?
1: Yeah, it's the same. <laughs>
2: same
0: but then he does actually give um notes which the notes are in fact like do in fact describe like criticisms that you specifically will have of these songs fragment ideas and too many pronouns stop it come on you're not making sense now
1: (laughs) this is the first song for your mixtape and it's short just like your temper (laughs) yeah Yeah, no, there's, there's a, yeah, there's a subgenre in this subgenre of (laughs) self-referential songs. Yeah. You know, the song about the song that I'm singing to you now.
0: The song is also just like very bouncy, like it's very bouncy compared to especially like the two songs that came before it. And um, it's also got this line that people loved, like, especially when it was live, live, which was like, I've got the mic and you've got the mosh pit, um, which people loved so much at the time because it felt like they were suddenly a part of the song. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw, I haven't, can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet. I did see Taking Back Sunday, but not as a full concert. So I t- saw Taking Back Sunday in 2014 at Warp Tour. So they did a thirty-minute set in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It was like the only time Warp Tour came to Pennsylvania to Hershey, um, and they sang the song, and it was like people were thrilled.
1: <laughs> um, Is Warp Tour like Woodstock now? And if so, how long has it been that? So it's like over. It, yes but yeah. at the end it was warped Tour, like it like it did like like did it just keep attracting the same people as they aged
0: no i would or,
1: say no oh okay
0: i mean i would say that it there was just, definitely I, I, a core group that it did but i think that it, it really did focus on the youth
1: i'm just asking because just from my outsider's perspective uh, uh, twenty fourteen seems late for Taking Back Sunday. Oh my god, two thousand four. Oh, okay.
0: I completely fucking misspoke. I didn't go to Warped Tour in twenty fourteen.
1: <laughs> okay, you either misspoke or I misheard you. No, oh, I said twenty. I absolutely said twenty fourteen. Oh, okay, gotcha. I meant two thousand four. I that was.
0: I was fourteen.
1: Gotcha. Yes.
0: Um. Or, like, 15.
1: But... You weren't 04 in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> you were 14 in 2004.
0: Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, yeah. I saw them. I saw... Um, I think the order was Coheed and Cambria, Taking Back Sunday, and Yellow Card back-to-back. Yeah. Where they had dual stages because they had such tight sets. Mm. And so a band would play like on the left stage while they were setting up for the right. And then yes. it would switch back and forth. Right. And then there were like littler stages too, but these were the, this was the main stage. Yes. Um, but yeah, it went on for a long time. And and it, and it when it did end, um, I think it ended like, I want to say in 2018, I'm looking it up right now. Um,
1: when warped? 20, it,
0: 2019. It was from 1995 to 2019. Wow. So I really was there, like in the middle of it.
1: Hmm. Got out just before COVID.
0: I know. <laughs> yeah. Good for um, them. So, um yeah, so there's that one. Let me get back to my
1: page. Maybe they knew something. the writing was on the wall
0: um so then we get into blue channel so blue channel starts with this like piano-y part and then there's this sound like um like someone breathing in it's like and then it hits with the guitar part which is um really cool like it's really cool to feel that happening um because it then immediately goes into, and I'm not so sure that I'm sure of anything anymore. And so this person, who who is consistently pompous, is now not as, not having as good of a time again. Um, and again, is just like, wants somebody to say sorry to him. <laughs> you know the million things you had to say. Sorry just might have found its way in there somehow. Um... And then in the second verse, there's, like, this great vocal thing he does. He says, you're so guilty, it's disgusting. He's been sneaking underneath your sheets and your hands. And it's, like, his voice is this arrow, um, like, going into the sky and then, like, bursting into
2: fireworks.
0: Um, before he comes back down to in places that they probably shouldn't go. But don't worry, sweetie, because I already know. Um, And I feel like this shift from I'm on the co- corner of your of your bed, are you turned on? This is part of what I mean when I say, like, the – it feels very, like, emblematic of, like, the scene, like, the misogyny of the scene, right? Like, he's, like, willing to, like, accuse her of being, like, interested in him sexually until he finds out that she's – been cheating on him or been with somebody else when you know maybe they just broke up and then suddenly he's slut shaming her um and he sees no contradiction <laughs> like <laughs> we see the contradiction but he doesn't and um that i don't like that but i like that i can see that and see that as this like very specific moment and this very specific set of rhetoric um that would repeat itself In other iterations of, like, songs and lyrics that I would see at the time. And also, I think something about these songs is it's not even being subtle a lot of the times. Which is to say that, like, it's, I think it's so, it's easier for me to see it for what it is. Um... Which is part of the reason why I have, like, less of a problem with it. Because it just seems so ridiculous that it just, I just can't take it seriously. But again, this song, which is so clearly focused on this girl, ends with the line, do you know what your girl's been up to? And he's shifting back to talking to the the bromance again. Okay. You're so last summer. Have you watched the music video for this? I know we mentioned it.
1: I sort of half watched it.
0: With Flava Flav? Yes. <laughs> so when they recorded the music video for this song, Lazera had left the band and Sean Cooper had left. They were working on recording their second album, but they had to like record the song, which has Liz- Nolan's like singing in the background. And so somebody suggested to them, I mean, they've talked about this, and I, I did not look it up specifically for this, like, oh, you could have Flava Flav, like, we should get Flava Flav. And so they were like, yeah, sure. I mean, they're, like, in chaos, right, because they don't have a consistent backup singer yet. So who um, le-
1: sorry, real quick, who left the band?
0: John Nolan, the backup singer. Okay. And Sean Cooper, who I believe is the drummer.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: But but the real, I mean, no offense to the drummer, the real loss here is, is Lazera because he's, like, the voice, like...
1: I think you keep mixing up Lazera and Nolan. Oh,
0: sorry. Nolan. Nolan is the real loss here because he's, like, the other voice, right? So yes. you can't just have a music video where they're, like, singing on a stage... And, and you hear two voices, but you singing. only
1: hear, you only see one singer. Yeah.
0: And so the way that they fixed this problem, for better or for worse, whether this was exactly their intention or not, was to distract you with Flava Flav.
1: It's an extremely funny choice, and I applaud them <laughs> for it, regardless of what their thinking was.
0: Um. But this is another time that we get to hear from the girl, which is right off the bat. She says, don't let it go to your head. Boys like you are a dime a dozen. Uh, she said, you're a touch overrated. You're a lush and I hate it. <laughs> but these grass stains on my knees, they won't mean a thing. Blowjobs, Will. Outside.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Outside in the grass.
1: <laughs> you're a touch overrated and you're a lush and I hate it. Might be my favorite example of, of songwriting. in 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 the lyrics of of the album yeah yeah game recognized game just (laughs) just for that one rhyme
0: Uh it's very i mean this is what i mean when i say like i think this album's fun like those lines are so fun to sing um and i think they're funny but also again it's like it's there's this like pinprick of like self-awareness coming through (laughs) these songs and apparently this the title of this song i learned from this video that i'll post came from they had gone to see um a movie oh and they said what movie it was too and i don't remember now so it was like john nolan adam lazara and their friend sarah not devotee of the pod unfortunately because she was a small child at the time
1: Mm. and um i wouldn't put it past them
0: they had like left the (laughs) they had left the theater I mean, I I, uh, absolutely don't think Sarah would have been allowed. Um, They're leaving the theater, and I guess Sarah said to them, like, she was so annoyed with them about something. And she was just like, oh, you're so last summer. Like, you know, you're so out of date and you're so out of touch. And uh, they were like, done. Checkmark. That's the name of the song. (laughs) And this is one of the few song titles, I think, that actually makes a lot of sense with the song.
2: Hmm.
0: Because the other one's like... Like like the Blue Channel, Timberwolves at New Jersey bike scene. Like they might be tangentially related. But like this one just like actually makes sense. Like uh, to say like you're so last summer, you're so outdated. And then to say like you're a touch overrated, you're lush and I hated. Like they are actually like related to one another. I follow. And then this also has the like this was one of those things that like people did take seriously and i did not know why which was the truth is you could slip my throat and with my one last gasping breath i'd apologize for bleeding on your shirt.
1: Yes, you've definitely this is this is not the first time you've recited those lyrics no, on this, this, this podcast. This, this part came up in the brand certain. new
0: episode but yes. it was uh ap- it's always worth repeating. Uh,
1: uh, okay, counterpoint <laughs> once is too many times
0: okay but will you're here to listen the smug buds you're here you have to listen to me be smug about this
1: and i and i'm still here (laughs) (laughs) and i'm i'm still on the call but there's no rule that says that i can't talk back
0: (laughs) um so this song too is it's worth noting it's the second to last song and here it does really just seem like there's some amount of conclusion that's starting to happen. Yep. It's starting to feel conclusive. Um, like like
1: they were writing an album, perhaps. Yes. When they were writing this song.
0: Yes. Um. And then we get to Head Club, which is short and not that lyrically dense. Um, but absolutely the culmination of Sonically, what they've been doing in terms of the like, call and response format.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it starts with Adam saying, well, it's getting colder and you're getting distant. And I just keep thinking that I never meant it to be like this. And I think that the line about saying that, like, it's getting colder, there's absolutely a reading there where it's, like, it being their relationship. I always loved the idea that, like, it's just, like, November and that Mm -hmm. this has all happened between, like, September or, like, August and November. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, this happened over a three-month period.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, another way into this might be is if you could listen to it and easily have the reading that like this is a concept album. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to it and I just go like, this is some superficial garbage. Um, but if if it were like, oh, there's there's like enough of a narrative that all of the all of these songs are hanging on. Mm-hmm. That it's like oh there's there's like a concept and the concept is it's just this one this one summer when when the when a whole relationship happened you know yes. from from start to finish and all the messy stuff in the middle um, if if that were a little maybe I don't know a little more on the surface or mm-hmm. or or a little more consistent or something then then maybe I would have found more of a way in
0: yeah and that's. I don't again not like plot wise but like thematically i do think that is a lot of what's happening here
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: um but not like in a like rock opera sort of way
1: yeah no that's fair i might have come to that conclusion myself if i had uh spent a little more time with it yeah
0: they didn't want to be an american idiot Will.
1: nor do i yeah <laughs>
0: So I I have talked in the brand new episode about the line I'm sicking sick of writing every song about you, which I do think is the um like key note line of it, this time period.
1: It's the epitome of this type of songwriting. Yes, which 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 repels me.
0: <laughs> that like I'm sick of writing song every song about you paired with like why can't I feel anything from anyone other than you
1: um,
0: is yeah, absolutely 2003 to 2007. Um, But again, we get this culmination of this round Robin where suddenly every band member is singing in order, like in, in over and over in a round, don't call my name out your window. I'm leaving. And, you know what a great way to end this album, where you you've taken this concept of this call and response format, and now you've taken it to the full extent where everybody on the al- everybody in the band is participating in that like um, format or using that tool, and especially because again, I think part of what makes this album sonically different and lyrically different than a lot of the other albums that even came after this one is this call and response format, which I don't think is sustainable. Like they sort of got away from it later on. Mm. Um, They definitely started to in um, where you want to be, which was their next album. Um, But I think (laughs) when I was younger and they started having more songs come out, I was like, why did you get away from this thing? Like, that was the thing that made you guys good. And now you're not good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think the answer is that, like, it's really difficult to write songs like this. And the fact that they were yeah. able to fall into it for this one album and this consistently on this one album is actually really incredible, especially because of right. how young they were. Like, it almost feels like a mistake. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, as I've mentioned, the last person to sing is not Adam Zara. I've mentioned the brand new episode. Last Person to Sing is not Adam Lazera. It's John Nolan. And because he got burned out, he left the band before they started recording their second album. He is back with them now, though. They have gotten back together.
1: Sometimes. He has
0: really, really long, goofy hair. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm sure that, that their success had nothing to do with <laughs> him crawling back. <laughs>
0: Well, he had – so he left and um, formed the Straylight Run with Sean Cooper and then his sister Michelle, mm. um, who I also saw at the Chameleon Club that same Warped Tour summer. Cool. Um They had an album come out. It was fine. Um, mm-hmm. But they got a new backup singer and guitarist and drummer, of course. Um, but I, when he came back, I don't think that they were – at the peak of their success it was after make damn sure and all of that which was like maybe their most popular like commercially popular song okay like if you look at spotify i think cute without the e is maybe the most popular song but i think that if you look like I th- as i think i mentioned like make damn sure shows up on an episode of degrassi like that's sounds like
1: something ab- you would have mentioned yes
0: <laughs> so um I think that was their more mainstream song. And he didn't I don't I don't exactly remember when he came back, but it was it was after mm. that. Um So yeah, that's that's this album, which is perfect for what it is, which is a early to mid aughts punk pop, punk rock, emo, post hardcore album.
1: And I, I wanna give you the final word, but first I need to say my final piece, which is just to say that I think to say that something is perfect for what it is has like a big asterisk on it, which is mm-hmm. it is still the thing that it is. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, if I may quote a really good Star Wars movie, I would I would <laughs> I would I would, I would uh, encapsulate my attitude towards this type type of media by saying, "Let the past die. Kill it if you have to." <laughs>
0: My boy Adam.
1: Regardless,
0: driver not Lazara.
1: Yeah, that's right. Adam, <laughs> Adam on Adam. Um, I, 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 I will say, I do find it very interesting to hear you talk about this. I'm, if even if there's no good way into it for me and I don't appreciate it, I like, I, I, I can quite enjoy uh, hearing people talk passionately about. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that they like. Uh, as often as, you know, when when I don't like that thing, as as when I do like it and I can share mm-hmm. it, it's just it's an, it's an interesting, uh, different perspective. So, um, and and I, uh, from what I can tell, looking you over at uh, looking at you over Skype, I haven't made you cry. So not yet. As as there's still time. <laughs> there's still time. Um, <laughs> no. As as negative as I've been, I I. It appears I haven't been too mean, so I'm gonna No.
0: Thank you po- for letting me up talk
1: one in the wind column.
0: Kenny kept asking me about if I was excited to record since we hadn't recorded last week, and I was like, honestly I'm a little bit nervous. Oh, did you hear the thunder? Yes, I did. Ooh. Spooky. Um, I was like, honestly, I'm a little bit nervous because I know Will's not gonna be excited about this one, and I don't know if I'm in an emotional state. <laughs> to do it so thank you for being nice to me
1: you're welcome i'm so glad that we're in a place where i can get credit for being nice <laughs> after after i made a bunch of shitty jokes for the past two hours
0: well i mean i guess what i mean is like i said you no know, mm. please don't push me too hard because yes. i think yes. on a different night you would have pushed me a little bit more which Perhaps. is a perfectly legitimate thing but you know we're here to like i you know. Here-
1: I'm here to be a sounding board for you and and yes. you for me sometimes.
0: Yeah. Um, I just looked it up and he, um, John Nolan came back in 2010.
1: Okay. The other thing I just remembered that I haven't said is you said many times that the songs are just fun to sing. Yeah. And what I wanted to say in response to that was like Wonderwall is fun to sing, yeah. but I don't listen to Wonderwall, you know? Oh like Wonderwall. <laughs> that's cool that's fine <coughs> but like lots of songs are like fun to sing but like yeah. i'm i'm like 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 why why can't i feel anything at dot 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 is fun to sing mm-hmm. because it's this big yelling crescendo yeah, yeah, yeah but when i sing it i'm like i'm making fun of that guy uh-huh. you know because he's yeah you know, i
2: what You know, it's that. Why can't I feel anything, anything
0: from anyone yeah. other than you? Yeah, very good. Um. Well, I love you. Love you too. I'll see you next week.
1: Talk to another, you soon.
0: I'll talk to you soon for another episode of
1: The Smug the Buds. Smug Buds. Next next week, we will talk more about songs fun to sing.
0: Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxed at youngestofone, and his website is williamhoffacker.com.
1: You can find Liz at Exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram.